the best way of training the young is to train yourself at the same time, not to admonish them, but to be seen never doing that of which you would admonish them. Leave it to Plato to take, I think, a fairly simple concept and, and make it a bit of a tongue twister. But really, when I read that, it's simple, right? It's kind of walk the walk. So welcome to another episode of the Dad Syndicate podcast. I just wanted to ask you guys a favor that if you could please share this podcast with anybody that you think might benefit from it. And also, please, guys, if you go on Apple Podcasts and leave us a rating that goes a long way to, you know, getting getting the word out there and getting us a little bit more visible. And it's been nice to see us getting more listens on the older podcasts. So yeah, please share this. It's the only thing you have to do. Otherwise, it's free. And I hope you enjoy this episode. I'm back here with my friend Joshua Laycock. Very happy to be back with you, Joshua. Thanks for jumping on this again. It's a Monday night. It's been pretty hectic. How's your life been for the last week or so? It's been uh, it's been good. We've got a long weekend here in Canada, so I'm just enjoying the day off. Um, recovering. I ran a Spartan race yesterday, so I'm a little mm. sore today. Um, but uh, no, all in all, we're pretty good. I was just mentioning to you, it's it's been kind of a bit of a rainy long weekend. So my kids are uh, they got a bit of cabin fever. We've been trying to get them out, but uh, they're starting to climb the wall. So you may hear some screams in the background, but you know, hey, it is what it is. Well, that's one thing I can say I'm totally used to is screams in the background. So yeah, it's been, it's been pretty insane actually, hence me recording only on a Monday night. So I'm hoping I get this one out on a Wednesday. It'll be quite an achievement to do that, but it's just been full on. And I, and I thought I'd actually just share my day today just to share a little bit about the life and maybe, uh, what do you call it? The the relevance that I have in speaking on this topic of being a dad and a teacher and these kind of things and a little bit of credibility, perhaps starting into, you know, waking up at five in the morning, getting up, taking care of a few emails, taking a little bit of a, you know, time for myself and then hitting a hundred burpees and 15 planks <laughs> finally just before six o'clock in the morning and then getting, getting ready, then waking up my twins, getting them ready, having breakfast, getting in the car by, you know, 20 to seven, heading to work, hitting a whole full day of teaching, basically nonstop working after school. I had a duty till five o'clock, uh, got stuck in traffic, eventually got home at about half past six with them, you know, jumped on the dinner table, eight, 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 got them ready, basically got them to bed, lay with them for a while. And eventually eight o'clock got out of there, got downstairs, did my work prep for school and uh, talked to my wife for 15 minutes. And here I'm with you now. So, uh, it's pretty intense, man. It's I must say I'm I'm probably burning the candle at both ends and I'm doing too much. And uh, I think our topic of the day is is quite interesting one because although I talk a lot, <laughs> I am someone who takes action a lot. And I wonder if there's a fine line sometimes between you know doing too much and being the example for your kids of someone who really like just does does goes goes goes, um, and that also aligning with our with the words we say, but. Um, I suppose it can always be too much. And, and I love what you always say. And I, I mean, I suppose it's something that we know, but we don't do, but it's that balance. So what we thought is that Joshua and I saw what Bert posted on. So Bert's part of this podcast anyway. And it's a quote by Plato. And it says, the best way of training the young is to train yourself at the same time, not to admonish them, but to be seen never doing that of which you would admonish them. So you want to start on that? You want to kick us off on the topic? Yeah, I mean, I think leave it to Plato to take, I think, a fairly simple concept and, and make it a bit of a tongue twister. But really, when I read that 
is (laughs) it's simple, right? It's kind of walk the walk, um, make sure that your actions are in line with the things that you say, you know, if you, if you tell your kids don't kick and scream or, or make a big fuss, and then when things get tough, you kick and scream and make a fuss. Well, the lesson is lost for sure. Um, and I mean, and we, we talked about that mm-hmm. on the very first podcast, I think though, is that, you know, that's why I say, we say you, you got to walk the talk and we don't just say you got to walk. I think both it's a balance between your actions and the words that you say, you know, quickly remember the story of, I grew up in a family where we ate super healthy and that was important to me um, or it was important to them rather, but I didn't realize why it was important. So when I, when I was a bit older and I had a bit of pocket money, um, I was off to McDonald's because I didn't realize that now I was eating in an unhealthy way. So although we were walking the walk, we weren't talking. I wasn't, I didn't understand the, the importance of, of the actions that we were taking. So I think some people put actions as being, um, on the top pedestal, but I actually think that it's, as you said, my balance, I think they both matter. I think that (laughs) there's an important element of obviously displaying the kind of behavior that you want to display and, um, you know, ensuring that you're modeling the right Mm -hmm. kind of behavior. But at the same time, we owe it to our children to also help them understand why we're doing the things that we're doing. And, and it also, every now and then when you slip, (laughs) which as we all do, it allows you an opportunity to have a conversation with, with your kids. Um, so, I mean, I like this idea though, because I think really what Plato's probably just trying to get to, I'm not a philosopher by trade, but um, mm-hmm. it really is, is rather than tear into them um, when they're doing something that you don't want them to be doing. And we all need to sort of modify behavior a little bit as parents. It's easiest to Mm. model the behavior ourselves and to guide them. And that was part of what we talked about. One of the posts I think we put up on IG is about don't say no as often, but rather try to steer and try to guide. So instead of creating conflict, you know, no is a conflict because you're kind of getting in something's Mm -hmm. face, someone's face about something is Mm. redirecting that energy. I always called it um, like toddler Aikido. If you know Aikido, it's about taking someone's energy and moving it around. So I always joke like with kids, you know, my kids being five Mm. and two, like toddler aikido you take their energy and you and you spin it back on them so that you can get them going in the direction you want rather than banging into it so that was kind of the image that came to my mind when i heard that quote when we uh when bert posted it up on ig yeah i mean for me it's it's interesting because i also think a lot about this myself i mean it's something that i need to work on myself because i've got certain aspects of my behavior that are not are not the most admirable and at the same time as then doing those behaviors i'm expecting my children not to do those behaviors so they're hearing that from me you know hey please don't do that don't speak like that don't complain don't lose your cool and then the next thing they're seeing me in the traffic just now on the way up you know rolling my window down and telling a lady not to drive fast in our our area here which in one way is 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 a good thing but doing it in a way that is really not quite friendly if you can imagine or losing my cool around the house, just like you say, and then trying to get them to to not do that and to expect that from them in a way. And I think it's quite interesting to see parents doing one thing and then wondering why their children are doing uh, those things that they don't want them to. And it's not really actually that much of a mystery because it's basically, you know, you leave your house in a mess, you don't keep your things in order, and then your kids leave things in a mess, and the next thing you're shouting at them leaving stuff lying around. I just looked at my 
bathroom and some of my clothes lying around. I was like, hmm, I wonder why my kids are leaving stuff lying around. And we just talked about my nice microphone being left at school. And then my son leaves some, something <laughs> at school or forgets something and I'm on his case, you know, and it's, it's insane. It's like these people that want their kids to really work hard at school and perform. And then what are they doing? Basically just sitting down and drinking a beer and I don't think I have to point out that sitting down and drinking a beer is a bad thing, but when that's your consistent behavior, just, you know, coming and plonking yourself in front of the TV, letting the kids get in front of a screen and, and then you expect your kids to be, you know, you kind of want your kids to not be like that. I think it's, it's hypocritical and I think it doesn't work. And I, I'm to blame as well. It's not, and it's like my friend Ben says, he's my colleague as well. And he says to me, you know, you, you say these things on the podcast. And I said, yeah, I say these things on a podcast, but I definitely want my listeners to know that it's not like an expert speaking here it's someone really wanting to work on these things myself but um this not admonishing kids for the things that we are doing wrong i definitely agree with it and i think that we have to become conscious and intentional and slow down and breathe and be honest with ourselves and not expect our little three and four-year-olds to not do things that we are as full-grown adults with all the capacity to you know, prevent them can't do ourselves. <laughs> well, they're, they're like perfect little mimic machines. Right. And that, but they, they don't have mm. this capacity. I think yet at, at this age, especially my kids as young as they are, I don't think they have the capacity to see like, is this thing that dad is doing good or bad? They just, they really look up to us. Um, mm. And, you know, perfect example, we bought some, some exercise equipment and I was assembling it today in the garage and, Everything was going great. My son was hanging out with me and he was, he had long since lost interest in tightening screws with Allen keys. Um, I mean, hell, so did I, but uh, as we were putting it together, the very last bolt was stuck. Like I just, it, it, there was something wrong with, uh, you know, with the way it was set up or whatever. And I guess I let out, I like, Oh, you gotta be freaking kidding me. And um, I didn't think anything of it. And (laughs) as my son was taking all the boxes and stuff from this exercise machine was making a ramp for his remote control car, it fell over. And I just heard a, Oh, you gotta be freaking kidding me. (laughs) And I looked over and kind of looked at him and, and, you know, my first reaction was like, dude, um, I'm not so hung up on, you know, minor cursing. I think as some people are, and that's fine. Teach their own. But anyway, it's interesting how quickly they pick it up, but you know, I was thinking about this and thinking about what we were going to talk about today. And one of the things that absolutely drives my wife and I up the freaking wall is how my son who's five can't sit still at the dinner table Mm. and, and just doesn't sit still at all. And then I kind of realized I don't sit still either. We'll watch a movie and I'll just get up and I'll start tidying. I'll start puttering. I'll start doing this and that. And, and, you know, sometimes it drives my wife nuts too, that I just can't sit still. I guess the difference being when I don't sit still, my brain is like, okay, well, if I'm going to move, let's do something productive. Um, Whereas my son, he just can't sit still. So he's thinking, what can I do that could possibly annoy the hell out of everyone in this room? But he really is just taking the same behaviors, whether it's a, you know, sort of a DNA echo of someone who just can't sit still, or he just sees that dad doesn't ever sit still. The cool thing about this mimic machine, though, is, and I think that's what this this quote was getting at, is while we certainly model bad behavior, and that's what we um, we most often see, we can also use that. That goes back to that toddler Aikido. We can use that kind of thing against them uh, in a way and model really powerful behavior. So things like if I'm always puttering around picking up toys, 
Well, then they're going to start to see that. And I'm seeing that in my daughter. She likes to wander around and pick up stuff and tidy up and, and making the bed and just those sort of morning routines that it's great that at their age, the first thing they want to do is wake up and brush their teeth. And we kind of make a game of it. And it's some modeling, some positive behavior. And that's, that's where you can use that incredible power of mimicry that they have um, to our advantage. Well, it's kind of the thing that everything can be good or bad, you know, and I think it's the same with this thing. And I totally agree with you on that fact and that I see it in my children all the time. So I'm definitely seeing the negative sides of myself, which is kind of weird because they're kind of like little mirrors of who we are, actually. And uh, they're genetically us and then they are nurtured by us. Sure, there's there's outside influences and, and as they get older, the influences become more and more. But it's but it definitely shows you a little bit of yourself. And, and I'm very happy to report that on the positive side, my son avoids cell phones and TV games um, to a large degree. I mean, he's not adverse to it. He'll play it every now and then. But he actually takes pride in not being someone who's in front of a screen because I've kind of shown them that sports and exercise and getting outside and being in nature um, is very important and is something that I love. And so by getting outside and instead of being in front of screens and doing those things, the kids have just totally taken that on. You know, I started taking cold showers. So he wants to start taking cold showers. I started doing seal fit. The next thing, the guy was like begging me to do seal fit. And I didn't want to do it one night. And then he was going, no, no puppy. He calls me puppy. It's a German thing. <laughs> uh, he's like, no puppy, we have to do it. And he actually got me outside um, when I didn't want to do it. And so it shows me how powerful that is in the positive sense. And I think that a lot of people don't realize that. They think their words are powerful. And yes, words are powerful. And I've experienced that from my parents and from my friends and through my life that I'm I'm very sensitive to words. And I, I'm, I'm assuming that you, as a, a wordsmith yourself, are also probably sensitive to words. But I think we don't realize as fathers how much those actions that we do and the things we do actually speak louder. I mean, there's always, it's like that cliche and that, that, that phrase that people say, you know, actions speak louder than words. But when you're not living that life and you're doing things a different way, and then you start wondering why your kids are doing those things, um, I think you need to ask yourself, you know, why are you doing those things? Because literally they do follow those examples. And I'm not saying it's so, solely that and they don't do their own thing. But whenever we're doing something, it's that living our lives for ourselves. But once you have kids, it's like what Bert said on the last, on the last podcast, is that it, does all, it doesn't become all about them because your life's about you still. But everything you're doing is having an impact on them. And they sense how you come home. They sense how you behave in traffic. They sense how you treat your wife. They see how you treat other people. And then they start picking those things up without us saying. And I, and I, would, I would say that us as parents, and a lot of people don't seem to realize that what they are doing as parents is as much as what they're telling their children. A lot of people want to tell their children what to do, do this, do that, that's wrong, that's right. And then you watch their behavior and you say to yourself, well, if you are saying that thing, then surely you need to, um, you need to, you need to be doing those things yourself. So I, I think that, I think that a lot of men just have to start realizing that and maybe start putting their actions behind their words and then seeing things change. And then they won't be, you know, surprised. Like, why is my kid losing their cool? And why is my kid leaving their stuff lying around the house? Why is my kid eating that chocolate and wanting to eat bad um, when they're watching us do that? Well, and, and let's be honest. I mean, there's stuff about us all that we wish um, were different, that, we, that either we wish that we could change or that we are in the process of changing or things that, you know, behaviors and traits that we've picked up through our lives that we, we don't love about ourselves. And 
you know, I know that when my son was born, my wife and I had a tough conversation around, look, her and I both struggled with different things growing up, um, whether it was weight or social anxiety or, you know, whatever, just things that we, we dealt with um, being bullied. And we decided mm. that we were not going to pass on those or uh, that's not the right way. We're going to do everything in our power to raise them in a way that they could better handle those challenges. Life's going to throw challenges at you. But we said, look, our kids are going to be fit and our kids are going to be strong and confident and they're not going to be a soft target for bullies. And they're going to be um, have every opportunity to be social and to get out there. And But also, we're going to do everything that we can to help them feel loved and accepted, whoever they end up being, so that they don't have to worry with as much social anxiety as both my wife and I ironically dealt with when we were younger. But that was then, you know, we decided... So how do we do that? Well, then we have to live that life. We have to live that life of fitness and of strength, of courage, of confidence, of love and compassion, because that's the only way that they're going to see that. You can't sit back and eat a garbage meal and never work out and then force <laughs> them to eat broccoli and take them to the gym. It just, it doesn't mm. work. And, you know, I see some parents, especially when I take my son to jujitsu, look, there are some parents that are like massively out of shape. And I commend them for trying to get their kids out and active. And I don't know these people, so I'm not judging them. But I hope, I hope that they're also looking at themselves and, and going, how do I mirror this behavior? Because there's going to come a point in time at which, as we've talked about, and, and yes, words are incredibly important. And it's interesting because words, um, words can eviscerate, but they're not as good as bringing peop- at bringing people up if you know what I mean. So if you were to say something really hurtful to your child, it will cut deep. But if you were to say something powerful to them, yet your actions aren't in line with that, the words are hollow. Um, So it's kind of like the words matter because they can, they can do some good, but they have, I think more downside um, than they do upside. Whereas actions are just so powerful that they have both upside and downside. Um, You know, you can say, the nicest thing to someone, but if you don't treat them with love and respect, well, then they're never going to remember the words. It's the same with, you know, the father who perpetually finds himself apologizing to his kids for, for acting poorly. Like, great. You can apologize <laughs> if you do something yeah, poorly, exactly. but if you don't correct the behavior, then you're just getting really good at apologizing. And like, when I say to my son, look, when you talk 24 seven, it takes the impact away of what you're saying. We don't hear you anymore because it's constant noise constant apologies is just noise. Now dad's going to do something stupid. I'm going to get upset. He's going to apologize. And then it's, we're just going to start this cycle over again. Um, so they both really matter, but I, I would probably argue that you need the words, but without the words, like, let's say, let's look at the flip side of my, my situation where I talked about if my parents had only spoken about eating healthy, but we didn't ever actually eat healthy. Well, it would have been moot. Um, but like everything, I don't think it's an either or conversation and like parenting. It's not like, which of the five things am I going to focus on? No, you got to focus on them all. You have to say the right things as often as you can, and you have to do the right things as often as you can. And it's not a, which one is more important, which one is less important. They're all important. You know, you don't clothe or feed or bathe your kids. <laughs> you do all of them. They all matter. Um, but I go back to you though. If I may, you started you started the, the conversation today about, you know, thinking that you're running yourself a little ragged. And 
that's also uh, a piece of behavior that you're modeling for your children. And we all do, especially if you're sort of a driven kind of individual like we are, and that it's important that they see us work hard and that they see us adding value. But I also think that it's important that they see that we set time aside to take care of ourselves. You know, I have no problem saying to my son, we're going to have a story tonight. I'll sit with you for a few minutes, but then I'm going to go and I'm either going to spend time with mom or I'll be honest with them and say, you know what? You know how we've been watching Paw Patrol for the last two hours? Dad wants to watch something that isn't Paw Patrol. So I'm going to put you to bed and I'm going to take a bit of time for myself to unwind and relax a little bit because that's okay that I take that time. So while it is important that we we model a behavior of action, I think from a taking care of ourselves in a bit of a selfless perspective or selfish perspective, we need to also model that behavior that that dad is going to also take time to take care of himself because we all know if we burn ourselves out, we're not effective. And I've said many times to folks where they say, well, I don't want to take time for myself because I feel selfish. And I actually flip the tables and say, respectfully, I think you're full of shit. Um, If you allow yourself to burn out, if you allow yourself to get to the point where you're not effective, well, who's really going to be impacted by that? You, of course, but also your family. So in fact, taking that time, taking that downtime and taking care of yourself is actually, and because it's hard, it's also one of the more selfless things. You know, we had a, I had a conversation with a mutual friend of ours where he was saying like, I just can't go to the beach and do nothing. I just can't sit and do nothing. And I said, but you know, it's good for you. Well, of course, but it's hard. And I said, yeah, but for whatever reason, we're dismissing being able to sit and do nothing on a beach for a while as being not worthy of our time. But if I told you that I couldn't go to the gym because it was hard, you'd call me on my shit really quickly. So just because it doesn't seem immediately productive, but it's like eating a carrot as opposed to a chocolate bar doesn't give you abs all of a sudden. No, we do it because we know over time, the compound effect of making those smart decisions benefits us. So if we're going to sit on the beach every now and then and just relax and allow ourselves to unwind a little bit, no, you're not immediately going to change things. But if you integrate some good quality downtime over time, the compound effect is, is going to be significant. And just because it's hard probably means it's better for you. Mm. Well, I'm glad you went there because that was something that I was thinking about with this conversation is, is doing is obviously taking action too much and being too busy and trying to set the example so much for your kids that you actually don't even spend time with them and put aside time for spending, you know, good family time. And that happens to me often where I have these projects that I'm doing and I do triathlons and I obviously have my job as a teacher, which means preparing a lot. And then you have your friends that you want to do and you have engagement like this weekend where we had like three other engagements and you just go, go, go. And like you say, you don't take the downtime for yourself. So then the quality of the time that you spend with your kids then obviously is degraded as well because you're less you're less prepared to to you know be patient and you are you're in, you're in less of a good mood you know and you've expended your energy on all these other things so you know there's there's definitely that side of it where you can start becoming such an action man that you end up either burning yourself out and also neglecting you know those relationships that are the most important you know and thinking that you are actually doing something good because you're setting this example of a, a real dad that's really taking care of everything and that wants to get out there and wants to make the most of himself so that your children follow that example. But then on the on the flip side, not actually taking care of the things that really matter. And, and between you and me, I think we both know what really matters in life is that time with our kids. And we're almost doing it because we do want to be the example. And, and 
we've discussed this before that I find that my kids have become the motivation and are the thing that make me take action. In fact, that having children is the thing that makes me go, well, I'm not just going to sit around and do nothing, but I can overkill it. And I've been reflecting on this a lot lately. I've been thinking like, wow, like what can I cut out? And I find it very hard because like that guy that can't sit on the beach, it's become becoming more and more like that, that every five minutes that I'm not doing something, I'm almost have this guilty feeling. And I never used to have this in my twenties. I was like, I could sit on a beach the whole day, go for a surf and then lie in the sun and it didn't matter. And I've got myself in this little bit of a hamster wheel now where I'm just go, go, go. And uh, that's not good either. So I don't know if you find that as well um, in your life that you have become more like that. And that also the other thing that I listened to this podcast on the art of manliness the other day was this self-help uh, epidemic. And I suppose we could even say that we're almost a little bit a part of it, but it's this driving force behind certain people that you know, you're know you not satisfied with where you are and you want to you want to get more and you want to make more and you want to be more and although that is great that it can actually push you to not actually enjoying things and actually instrumentalizing even your kids and your wife and all those people in your life to get ahead and you know network and get to know people even to to make make your way in the world whereas you know someone's just sitting back breathing and realizing to sit with your wife on the couch and do nothing and look at her I'm looking at my wife actually right now sitting on the couch alone. How ironic is that? <laughs> and she's eating chocolate. She's eating the great replacement. <laughs> she's smiling. That's hilarious. Tom yeah, 2.0. I, I know, bro. I know. I, I don't know if it's 2.0, but you know what I'm getting at. I mean, isn't that, and that, that's what I was thinking about. You know, I do. And, and I, I think it's, it's, I've been chewing on this a lot and I actually think, and bear with me on this, but I actually think that all of these self-help personal development junkies and and i can be that from time to time i actually think it's a symptom of lazy directionless action and let me let me elaborate on what i because you know please like, do Screw you lazy i'm the <laughs> ultimate hustler well it's like yeah, yeah fine, exactly right but here's here's how i look at this is life as we get older and we have more things that we want to do and we have more people that rely on us and we have more, um, more demands on our time, it requires that we be very deliberate and very intentional about how we prioritize the things in mm -hmm. our lives. And when we are running around like a chicken with its head cut off and telling everyone how busy we are. And I mentioned that I banished the word busy from my life probably about two years ago. It was the best thing I've ever, well, Dude, one I of the that best as well, things I've ever done. Yeah, um, it's great. <laughs> well, like, I mean, I, w I was just getting fed up with it, but what I, <clears throat> what I think is that so many people, their lives are running them and not the other way around. And whenever, for me, whenever I said the word busy, it, it had an image of, being out of control, right? That I was not in control of my day. And I'm not saying that these people who are in perpetual motion all the time are lazy from an action perspective, but I wonder there, I would say that they're probably lazy in terms of mm -hmm. being able to sit down and really take the time to identify what's important to them That's and then brilliant. being comfortable or mm -hmm. uncomfortable with what's important to them. Like, cause look, I know some people that are alphas, right? That are, mm -hmm. that, that have decided that their career is the most important thing to them. And I was sitting down, I was, I was working for a not-for-profit within my industry and I was chatting with someone who I, I, you know, I consider a really good friend, but he's decided he's, 
he's got a really, really phenomenal career going um, in a very high pressure company. It's, it's a really, you know, it's an impressive thing. And we were chatting and I can't remember how it came up, but I mentioned that I was having breakfast with my kids. And he's like, whoa, you get that breakfast with your kids <laughs> I said, every day. He said, well, that's lucky. I said, Dude, respectfully, luck has nothing to do with it. Um, and I have dinner with my kids every night and luck has nothing to do with it. But I'll tell you, yes, I have sacrificed some upward momentum on my career, but please don't be confused. That is very deliberate because I was able to sit down and I looked at the spectrum of all the things in my life and the people that rely on me and the relationships and all the things that I want to accomplish in life. And I started to prioritize them and it's a dance, right? It's not one, then two, then three, then four, but it absolutely is. These things as a bundle are more important than those things. You know, I got to the point where I'm earning an amount of money that, you know, we're doing well, but is chasing incremental gains going to make me materially happier? No. So I'd rather stay at my current income level ish. If my employer is listening, ish um then, <laughs> no we're not going to give the guy a raise time. now your raise is hey, done, no, sure. You're over. That's okay. but, but <laughs> i mean that and i've said that to them you know is that i'm comfortable with this because it allows me to do the other things that are important to me and look i still get my job done and i i'm still adding good value but i've identified a long time ago that being able to have breakfast with my kids and being able to have dinner with my family um is very important to me and there are certain sacrifices that I've made, but that also includes I miss out on going to CrossFit because I'm not prepared to give up on dinner time and or bedtime with my kids because that happens to be when the class for CrossFit is free. You know, and it's tough. You know, I was away for a good chunk of this long weekend, the last long weekend of the summer because I was running a race a couple hours away and it was an all day race. So that was a tough thing. And in the short run, I was able to say, yeah, you know what, me running this race and doing, you know, putting myself through this challenge was a higher priority this weekend than, than spending time with them. And that's tough, but it's, and I'm not, I don't want to say that it's okay because it's not about judgment, but when you have someone like my buddy, he has, whether consciously or not decided that his career is more important than having breakfast with his kids. And I'm not saying it's more important than his family, but it's more important than having breakfast with them or being home for every dinner. And Individuals need to decide because if you don't, and if you're miserable about missing out on those things, then you need to do something about it. You know, if your life is not feel, if you're not feeling fulfilled in your life, then you need to look at, well, what elements are where you're not feeling fulfilled? Like, do you come away from a conversation with me and go, man, I really, really wish I had more time with my kids. Cool. What are you going to knock down on the priority list to move that up? Because we all have a finite amount of time in the day. That is the great equalizer. It is so cliche, but it's so true. And we just need to be very conscious. And that's a tough conversation. That's why I go back to it's a bit of a directionless lazy because it's almost like eating whatever comes in front of you at the buffet instead of picking and choosing the specific things that are important to you, allowing other things to pass you by and deciding how much time you want to spend on certain things. And that's hard. And I know that I don't want to be a spun up kind of father that at the end of the week, I'm so burned out that I just need to sit back and lay around and do nothing all weekend. So I prioritize some downtime. You know, I have projects that could probably be more further ahead, but I've also prioritized that a few nights a week are deliberately spent with me and my wife once the kids go to bed, because I could be working on all the side things that I'm working on seven days a week. 
but that's fine. But I've chosen because I've got more or less my priority. And look, sometimes the priorities get out of whack and every now and then I have to step back and reprioritize. Um, it's not an end state. It's just a, it's a dance. But I think that's what people need to do. If you're not feeling satisfied with the way your life is, the first step is going, cool, but are you spending the amount of time on the things that matter to mm -hmm. you? Mm. Yeah, I mean, it's totally a dance. And I, I like the way you put that because it's not straightforward. And it's definitely a thing that has to be reflected on a lot. And it actually links to our other podcasts or what you talk about your vision, because I think what gives you perspective and helps you to make the decisions in the moment much more effectively in the long run is going to your vision in the future. I mean, you've even got the vision where you go to the end of your life, where you and your wife are sitting there together, holding hands and having a cup of coffee. Um, and that's the aspect of your relationship. And then you can go ahead to your relationship with your adult children and how they look back on their childhood. I was just hanging out with a mate of mine talking about our childhoods and stuff. So our children are going to be sitting there with their mates one day talking about their childhood. And I'll be damned if they're going to say some of the things that I've said. <laughs> you know, they're not, it's not going to be perfect. But at the same time, I want to go ahead to the future. And I don't know your friend, but I know a lot of guys like him. And, and it's not even a lot of guys anymore. There's a lot of women trying to do that as well. And um, I think it's a mistake. I'm going to say it straight up here. And I said it on the last podcast. I think anybody that puts their work above their kids and eating dinner with their children and these kind of things, I'm sorry. I just am saying it flat out here. It's it's not it's not on it's it's not right it's not something that's going to give you value. You might think in the moment that climbing that ladder is going to be that important, and that you can sacrifice time time with your kids and these kind of things. But for me, it's a decision I made. I kind of got lucky in that I became a, a school teacher by default, actually by underachieving quite strangely because a lot in South Africa you don't get much money as a teacher, and therefore a lot of men who high achieve in high school go become doctors, lawyers, you name it, and you know getting to these big companies and stuff. And so I became a teacher and I have, you know, six weeks off during the summer. I finish school at about four o'clock. I'm not saying that I don't have a lot of work to do. And sometimes I've had to do that work, but you know, you know what it's like to be able to be with my kids in the morning and to be able to come home. And even when I'm home late, like today, I was home at half six with my twins with me. They come to the school I teach at. I was able to have dinner with my family, hold my baby girl, you know, play with my son, take the other two kids to bed and and be there. And I just can't believe that anyone can look like that. And maybe it's just me because that's my thing and because I think that being a dad is the greatest thing on the face of the planet and that my kids are the most valuable thing and I don't want to look back. And I just connect to the future all the time and the legacy. And that's the thing, like what legacy? Like I can do anything I can do in the world. But you know what? There's so many guys that make millions. There's so many people that climb the ladder. There's so many people that, you know, have the great sports car and stuff. How many brilliant amazing dads do you know how many people do you hear talking about wow you know my father that guy really loved me he put us first and stuff how many joshua really <laughs> i think it's much more scarce than guys making not millions many, but, but, but to be fair a handful a handful yeah, but, they, they but not guys. as many there are guys and and look and i i i'm inclined to agree with you because we're on the same path and we're making a lot of the same decisions you know i try to withhold judgment mm -hmm. simply you know maybe it's because i'm canadian i don't know but um but at you know the same me, time, foot in my mouth guy. <laughs> but when I but when I have this conversation with another Canadian and I mention that I have breakfast with my kids, that was exactly what he latched onto. Wait a minute, you you get to? And that's that was that was the other thing, is that I, I decided I decided a few years ago, I wish that I could say a long time ago, but I decided probably three to five years ago that I was going to be in control of the decisions in my life. Like, look, 
things are going to happen. Circumstances are going to arise that we have absolutely no control over. And yes, that's the sort of the stoic philosophy of not controlling your circumstances, but controlling your reaction. But I do think, though, that we do have a significant amount of control over our lives insofar as the decisions that we make. You get to choose how much time you spend at work. You get to choose what kind of a lifestyle that you live to support the need to work that many hours. You get to choose where your job is relative to where you live to decide how much time that you make that you spend in the car. And yes, I, I know that there are circumstances where sometimes you don't. You know what? There are families probably people that are listening where, you know what, you have to work two or three shift jobs just to make ends meet. That's not the situation that I'm talking about here. And I'm, I'm hugely empathetic to, to those people that find themselves in that situation, but they can choose to work out of that situation. They can choose to, to move forward and to prioritize the things that matter. And I, um, I was someone who life happened to and I had a lot of jealousy and envy over people that had the things that I didn't have. And ironically, now that I'm being much more deliberate about the choices that I make, while certainly, you know, yes, you see someone with wealth or you see someone being able to take their family on these incredible vacations, I, I guess it's envy uh, by a technical definition, but now it just drives me because now it's like, well, I've made these decisions and I'm de I've decided that this is what I'm going to have. That's just their, their present is just a glimpse into my future and so be it. Um, but it is a choice and it's incredibly empowering. But what I struggle with is being empathetic to people who bellyache and bitch and moan and complain about their lives yet don't do anything about it. And making those changes is hard. It takes courage to downsize your home or to rent instead of buy or to drive an older vehicle or to not have the newest whatever, because you've decided to downsize your life a little bit with the knowledge that maybe, yeah, you know what, maybe if I'm going to spend this much time at home, I'm not going to have as much earning potential, but that's okay to me. That's really putting your money where your mouth is, I think. Um, and I would just, you know, I think that if anyone, and look, I've been there and some days I still am, but if you find yourself you know, at best unfulfilled, but at worst being someone who's negative and whining and complaining about life, really sit down and look at all of the aspects of your life and prioritize them. And I think that you will find that you're spending, you know, a significant amount of time on things that are really lower priority and not committing the stuff that doesn't reap immediate rewards. Like spending quality time with your kids over dinner doesn't yield immediate results. Whereas, you know, going to school, getting more degrees, putting more hours and you get a raise, you see the money. That's an immediate, you know, measurement of your results. Um, but just like we talked about earlier about, you know, incremental gains, that payoff's going to be huge. And that's, that's a good exercise, I think, for people is whatever aspects of your life you're not happy with, how much are you actually prioritizing it? And, you know, not to go off, but I remember I did an exercise a while ago where they said, and it's something I would recommend everyone doing because it was eye-opening. And you don't have to be as as you don't have to be as as precise as as you as you think, but write down roughly what you do all day in chunks. So it was like from you know whatever five to seven, you're or five to six, you're spending time to yourself. Six to seven, you're getting the kids to school. Seven to eight, you're dropping them off and driving. You know, do do the whole day. And what was really interesting for me, and this was a time where I was my my marriage was stale. Um, I realized that 
holy shit, I was spending like 7% of my week on time committed and dedicated to my wife. And this was pre like having a bunch of kids and a bunch of other side jobs and everything else. This was just me with one kid and a job. And I was still spending less than 10% of my time on one-on-one -on -one time with my wife. And I was like, well, no shit, your marriage is stale. You're not giving it any energy. So Joshua, that's where we left off. I don't know how many week, weeks it was ago, but we remember that fateful day when we lost this audio. Or oh, I thought I'd lost this audio and I actually found this audio. So for those listening, sorry that there's this interruption in between the podcast, but I thought this podcast was actually lost and I was very happy that one day I found it in Zencaster. So Zencaster and no more, no more hard feelings. So we're back on here and uh, we're talking about action and we're talking about words and yeah, it's, we basically reached the end of the podcast, I think anyway, but we just wanted to end it off with a couple of, uh, couple of sentences wrapping it up. So Joshua, I don't know if you want to just, just dive into that straight away and just wrap up what you've been talking about, about actions and words and how they work together and how important they are. Yeah, sure. I'll, I'll say a bunch of random things and let you stitch it together to make sense of the podcast we did. we did probably months <laughs> ago, but, um, yeah. you know, listening back to some of the things that we talked about you know me trying to have a bit of a balanced approach a lot of people ask well what's more important words action and you know i usually just sort of say yes <laughs> everything is important and as we talked about you know if you're someone who is really strong in the action but you're not relaying the messages to the people around you the lessons about why you're doing the, th the the things that you are or why certain actions matter, the message can be missed. And I think a lot of value might be left on the table. Uh, the inverse though, if you're all mm. talk and, and you don't follow up with action, well, then your words become empty and it almost requires a balance of both for both to carry full weight. Um, and the challenge is, is that both actions and words can also be hugely destructive when, when used incorrectly mm. or maliciously. <laughs> so if you say all the right things, but you deck your kid, well, they're not going to listen to the words that you have to say. <laughs> um, but at the same time, you might hug and, and kiss your, your kids and, and play with them. But if you say cruel things, what do you think they're going to remember, right? We're almost, it's almost the lowest common denominator thing. So looking back at, you know, looking back on the conversation and, and where we ended about with the timing and, and plotting out how I plotted out the week and how little time you were using on the things that actually mattered to you. Mm. You know, the history repeats itself. I think picking up your priorities, knowing what your actual priorities are and are you really prioritizing them? Or are you just paying them lip service? And mm. then, you know, like we talked about making sure that you have a bit of a balance of both. Yeah. I think for me, it's, it's interesting because it's also relates to our children and their actions and their words and, and what they see us doing. Because when they see us, you know, speaking a lot <laughs> and not acting in a way that is congruent with our speech, then they start doing that. And I was speaking with Brian Grogan on a little podcast a little while ago about the cues and picking up on the cues of our children and their actions. And often our children can hide behind their words. And if we teach them that basically words are not, you know, backed up by actions and that words are cheap and that you can just say what you want to cover up what's really happening or, you know, to when a parent is worried about you always quizzing you when you're a teenager, I think it's also important to teach children that, you know, don't just say things and don't think that words are a way of hiding up things and that you actually have to be honest 
And I think when we are living in integrity with our words, because I mean, that's what it's about, right? It's about being integrity with what you say. Because someone the other day, I wrote, talk is cheap. And I, st- I believe talk is cheap, but only if there's not action, you know? And But it, the, what it boils down to is that it's being in integrity. So your words and your actions matching. And I think when your words and actions match in a positive sense, naturally, I think that that's where it's at. Just like you're saying, that balance, but that your child really knows, well, when my dad says something, he really means it. When my mom says this, I know I can rely on this. When my dad promises me this or says he's going to be at my football game at five o'clock, he's going to be there. Um, that teaches them to be the same and also to value words and makes words powerful. I mean, when we back up our words, we give power to our words. When we betray our words with actions, then we take away the power of words and they stop being believable and they start setting a really bad example for our children who then become exactly the same. And then parents wonder why children are lying to them and lying to their brothers and sisters and, and, you know, not being honest and not living in integrity, you know, and going somewhere like saying, oh, I'm going here to sleep over this person. I mean, while they're going to this party because they've seen us do it their whole lives. So, I mean, I think it's a really important thing. I think that it relates back to what you say. It relates to all these, these, um, these things about priorities and making sure that we have a priority of communicating with our kids properly and, and also make a priority of setting the example. And you and I are both focusing on leadership at the moment. And I think that when it comes to leadership, it's like lead yourself first and, and then naturally lead yourself towards the actions that are going to make you a better dad, that are going to make you a better person, and that are also going to be that example then for your children who are then led by your actions and what you do and then obviously you can then use your words well not only not only a better dad but an effective dad i mean just quickly i'm going through this with my son right now who's five and a half five and change and he's challenging his need to listen to things right and and he'll say that well i don't want to listen i don't want to do that and he's having to learn these things so if he gets you know a timeout or something for not listening He'll come down and he'll give me a really good apology because he's really good with his words, but he didn't understand. He couldn't understand why everything's not instantly okay. You know, well, I apologized, you know, and I won't do it anymore. Mm -hmm. Fantastic. Now show me. (laughs) You don't, you don't just get to say you're sorry and promise me that you'll do things differently. And we have this exact same conversation is when you say something, but your actions don't back it up. And I mean, time will tell what he's pulling from me. And if, if he sees where I'm out of alignment, then I'm sure that this approach is not going to be nearly as effective, but it's, you know, it's the same kind of conversations that you and I have and that we have with uh, the other people in our lives, the other adults in our lives. It's, it's the same conversation we're having with them. And, you know, not only do I think having your words and your actions in alignment, not only does that balance make it effective, I almost think it's, it's almost like a compounding effect. It, it adds to the effectiveness in an exponential factor because they have to be perfectly in line. So time will tell with my son if he's going to get the message, but I, I have to make sure that one, I'm relaying a consistent message to him, but also then backing it up myself. Mm. No, it's the same with me. And and I'm in the process of that. I'll be honest that as a teacher and as a father, you know, it's one of those things that you are telling your children how to live a lot. But when the chips are down, you are not living your life like that. And so for me and probably a lot of dads out there, I think we need to do that. And we think we need to make a commitment to just take action, you know, take positive actions in your life. Think of what you need to do to 
become that dad, as Joshua says, that effective dad, that impactful dad, that dad that builds a bond, that builds connections with his children, that creates that family environment that we've talked about in other podcasts, that atmosphere of love and affection and of honesty and integrity. And, you know, that, that vision that we have, Joshua, it's, it's pretty exciting when you think about it. And, and it gets a bit daunting when you think of actually achieving it, but it takes action. It takes doing things and not just speaking about it. So I challenge all the dads out there, take action. Think about what actions you need to take in every of the seven arenas of your life. Look at them, you know, in the physical. What do you need to do? Do some, take some action, you know, get out there. Your kids are going to follow. When it comes to the mind, take action, get a book, read it, put the, put the knowledge into action, you know, learn, become more learned. Uh, when you look at all the things, get outdoors. Uh, you know, if, you, if you're leading at work, be, be someone that's an example to your kids how you lead it at work and how you lead at home, you know, put action into that. So, I mean, basically, it's just one big call to action. You know, we've talked about it for a while, but, you know, we can listen and we can talk, talk, talk until we're blue in the face. But once we do take action, then our words carry much more weight. So, Joshua, thank you on a Sunday night. And I don't know what time it is there now. I think it's 3.25, right? Am I correct? Mid-afternoon on a Thanksgiving long weekend here in Canada. Oh, it was Thanksgiving long weekend. And you came on here for another 10 minutes to finish off. I really appreciate that, man. And... um it's nice to take action in this way with you, but it's also nice for us to talk and, and I always enjoy talking to you and it always expands my mind and expands my horizons. So much appreciated, man. No, I appreciate it. And I hope people enjoy the lost tapes. <laughs> yeah, me too. I hope it makes sense in connection with what we just uh, said at the end, but I'm, I'm sure it does. So yeah, thanks to everyone else for listening to this again. We are now 23 episodes into this. Probably shouldn't be mentioning every week how many we are, but I suppose I'm pretty excited to be actually over the 20 mark and, uh, yeah, I appreciate everyone that's supporting us. And I just encourage everybody to share this with as many people as possible. I also encourage you to check us out wherever we are. We've got a nice uh, forum group on Facebook, like a closed group for dads who can join and we can discuss things and can have the conversations that we're having on the podcast here and conversations about anything relating to parenting and fathering. We're also pretty active on Instagram, so check us out at the Dad Syndicate there. And then Bert has just launched a lovely website. Uh, Joshua, you checked it out. I think it looks pretty, pretty awesome. So I'm pretty stoked to what Bert's done. It's very smooth. It's almost like he knows what he's doing. <laughs> it's a really nice website. It's clean. It's, yeah. It's uh, everyone up to speed, and you can see everything that's going on on the multiple platforms. It's awesome. Yeah. And we'll be building on that as we go past. You know, as as I was, what I'll be saying in my next podcast, or I'll say it now, is that, you know, it's a work in progress. Nothing's set in stone. We're learning along with everybody else, and we're learning how to make this the most effective podcast, make this the most effective website possible. So on the website, there's all the podcasts there now for you to go on, onto the website and check it out. And there'll be articles that are going along with every podcast. And we're growing, and there'll be much more, much, 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 much. Um, I'm probably going to have to cut that out. There's going to be much more coming your way. But yeah, thanks for your support. And thanks to our sponsor, notebook.de, for the awesome laptop that supplied me with. So that's notebook.de. Check them out for all your tablets, phones, and laptops. Um, that is a German-European company, so probably not going to order from America. But if you're in Europe, um, hit them up and check that out. And remember that all the time, energy, and hard work that you put into being the man that your family need and deserve is always going to be worth it. So be relentless.